Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Miller, lovely cushion header. But Well, hello there, and that music can mean only one thing. Yes, it's Champions League time. So, uh, well, forget your frustration at Liverpool dropping two points against West Brom and start thinking much more positively because after around about a decade away, Liverpool are back in the semi-final of a Champions League match. It's just incredible that Liverpool have got this far and taken on opponents that uh, they've obviously they've been been there before in the uh, latter stages of this competition and opponents who uh, probably didn't expect to be there themselves. So it's going to be a hell of a tie. It really is. There's so much involved in it and really, really looking forward to it. So here we are. This is your Champions League preview here on the Anfield Index podcast channel. Of course, I am your host, Danny Wales. And well, like we said, it's going to be absolutely huge. Uh, First leg on Wednesday night at Anfield, and to look to help me look ahead to this tie, we've got with us a writer for AS Roma 360, uh, Scott Monroe. Welcome along to the show, Scott. Oh, thank you for having me on. Looking forward to this, and it should be two great games. It absolutely should be uh, huge, huge games, and we'll get into all of that. Uh, and from the Liverpool side of things, uh, Anfield Index's own Justin Wells joins us as well. Welcome along, Justin. Yeah. Glad to be here, Andy. I'm also really glad to be talking about a fucking semi-final. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, it's exciting times ahead. Exciting times ahead. Forget the negativity. <clears throat> exciting times for both clubs. And, and and that's the thing. For both clubs, it really is. Uh, and, and we'll start from the Roma perspective. Uh, Scott, we'll bring you into this then. Just, you know, ju- just to kind of go over things. What has it been like then, this this run for Roma in the competition this season? Because is it fair to say that Roma fans probably didn't expect the team to do this well? No, not at all. I I was happy just to get out of the, the Champions League group, which had Chelsea, Atletico, Arsales and Carabag. 
I would have been happy probably for a second or third spot, not to win the group and not to get, pick up four points off Chelsea. And then we evidently picked the six points off Carabag. But um, defeating Shakhtar on away goals, that epic Barcelona game, which sadly I missed completely as I was in uh, in the United States. I was in New Orleans, so I missed both Champions League uh, ties of that. And it's just going to be, it's been epic. Um the best thing about it so far is the, st- the style of football from Serie A to the Champions League has been different. Roma have been a bit more open in, in the home games and a bit more cautious in the away games. And it's it's um, we've still yet to concede a goal yet in, in the home times in the Champions League, which might come under a sterner test when you guys travel to Rome in, in a week and a half. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably fair to say. I mean, like you say, you know, you... You you look on paper at that that group with with Chelsea and with that with that uh, Atletico. Um, obviously, everybody expected a lot from, more from Atletico, and mm. I think it's probably fair to say after how they performed last season, people expected more from Chelsea. So, do you think there was a bit of the surprise factor there in Roma that you know that the, almost like the underdogs, the no pressure and just yeah. go out there and perform with freedom? Yeah, it was- yeah, there's no pressure at all. As in, in especially in the both Chelsea games, as Roma were two 0 down, and looking down the barrel, especially at Stamford Bridge, and came back to three two up with, with that um, wonderful Ed and Jacko volley, and then sadly conceded one minutes later. And and in the home tie, they just played without fear and absolute wallop Chelsea. To be honest, it could have been six or seven. Chelsea were just not at the races, and um, you could see the fury on Conte on the touchline. And I think they've taken that that sort of playing without fear into the latter stages, especially against Barcelona, where it was definitely against the wall. You go to the new camp, you get beat 4-1. To be honest, they were unlucky and should have had two penalties. But to to beat potentially the La Liga champions 3-0, it was just mind-numbing. I was was in, as I said earlier, I was in New Orleans, and I literally could not believe it. I did shed a tear, and it was it was just fantastic to see. And hopefully, they could probably take it into this up and coming semi final. So into the knockout stages. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, nobody expected Roma to to knock out Barcelona, and certainly not after being four one down after the first leg. But you know, in that first knockout stage against Shakhtar, do you think that's potentially then the the only time throughout this competition that really the there's been any sense of expectation upon Roma? Yeah, uh, we lost lost the first leg two one, um, and there was a a minute to go in the second half of stoppage time, and there was a, a break for Shakhtar and Bruno Perez cleared one off the line, literally just from point blank, and coming into that just two one down, there was the sense like if we can nab one. I think we'd be all right and we can stop uh, Shakhtar on the counter. And then Jacko scored in the second half and Roma sat back and just soaked up all the pressure. And you could see the adulation in the final whistle. It meant so much for them just to get to the court final. And it was with the other Italian side in, in there with Juventus, which sadly got knocked out in the, in the quarters uh, due to the, the penalty. But yeah, it was, it was expectations have been risen from the season for Roma in the Champions League. So, and just to come across to the to the Liverpool side of things, then I know obviously throughout the show as we've gone through it, through the group stages, through the knockout stages, we've looked, we've we tried to look back retrospectively, at where you know to to this point, where we've been to this point. So, Justin, 
I think it's fair to say that very, very few of us at the beginning of the season would have expected the the team to get this far in the competition. Personally, I, I was thinking, okay, if we can get to the quarterfinals, that's that's a good performance for our first season back in the Champions League for a few years, and and you know it, and to do that and more, you know, to knock out Manchester City, where everyone really expected over two legs for Manchester City to have too much for Liverpool, but in the end, you know, the 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 aggregate scoreline tells it the other way. I mean, how how have you felt with with this overall performance throughout the competition and? That man uh, knocking out Man City in the quarterfinals. Yeah, so if if you would have asked me before the season what, what I thought a successful season for Liverpool would have looked like, I would have probably said uh, further consolidation of a top four place, which we look on pace for uh, a domestic cup, be it the League Cup or the FA Cup, and just making it to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Um, the fact is, we look like we could be a team. I mean, there's four teams left in the Champions League. Any one of the four of them could win it. So the possibility of winning the Champions League wildly exceeds my expectations and what I thought this would be possible for the season. I thought maybe winning a round of the knockout stages would have been a goal that would have said, okay, this is going in the right direction. Uh, we're, we're, you know, steady year, steady year building in season two under Klopp, full season two under Klopp. But now uh, the expectations changed and, uh, really, you know, I, I think we have a realistic shot of winning the Champions League, which is coming much further along, much faster than uh, than I thought we'd get there. Uh, and that one, and that uh, one, that win even over Man City. Um, how how did you feel through that? Because I know obviously blowing the way in the first leg was, was was fantastic. The second leg was was a bit tight at times. It was you know there was a few nervy moments before things really turned in the second half. So you know how how did that rate for you? Not being able to knock out Man City over two legs in the quarterfinals. The first leg felt amazing because of the fact that we were just so much better than them all over the pitch. And that's really, I mean, we were, that that was pretty much how our 4-1 went against them in the league, too. We were all over them from the off, put ourselves out of sight, and we did a better job closing the game out and killing the game defensively and in midfield. And that's the frustrating thing about this Liverpool side, is you can see us do that, and then we do things like we did today. But we're not there to talk about this today. Um, It was the second, the second leg was... uh, like, we didn't need to basically put my heart in my throat in the third minute of it. Um, bar that one mistake, though, we still kind of, even though there was a lot of pressure on us, we still did a great job of actually kind of making City give up and not really try to actually play through us, because they just couldn't after a while. And then once we uh, scored the uh, the away goal, that I think pretty much every Liverpool supporter was confident that we'd have a chance to do against City, considering the fact that they'd have to go hell for leather for it. Um, it really just kind of Put the put it all to put it all to rest and allowed us to look forward to uh, the next day and finding out who we'd see in a semifinal. And you know, realistically, we thought it was going to be one of Real, Barca, or um, Bayern. And seeing Roma do what they did, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a guy who likes a grand European comeback against uh, overwhelming opposition because you can't be a Liverpool supporter if you don't like seeing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's been a few of those over the year, over the years. Um, so Scott, you know, I, I know things were seen as perhaps unfairly, but seen as for for all the clubs. Well, the, you know, Roma is the draw you want to get of all the teams left. You know, if you were Liverpool, Real Madrid, or Bas or, or Bayern, you're thinking you probably want to get Roma. But on the flip side of this, then if you're Roma and you're looking at Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, or Liverpool. Is it Liverpool that you're wanting to get? 
for me, it was either Liverpool or Real Madrid as the two fairy tower. I did not want Bayern because Bayern are Bayern and are, I see them as a, a machine. So, yeah, I think the fairy towers with Liverpool, especially with the history with the two sides, but is it uh, the Champions League final and the UEFA Cup tie in, I want to say 2000, 2001 at Anfield with when Batista scored and then Roma were given a penalty and then referee pointed to the corner flag. So it's just a, there's a bit of history and, and it's, it's going to be two great games and speciality on, on the two great grounds and the atmosphere is just going to be amazing. Yeah, so how how did you feel then with the draw? Were you, were you happy that it, it was Liverpool? Yeah, yeah, I've got some mates who I work with who are Liverpool fans, and they both they messaged me on on the Friday and said we're we're, we're really looking for, forward to this tie, and it also it's got the Salah factor. And Salah, who was with Roma for two seasons previously on loan at Fiorentina and after falling out with Chelsea. And he was brilliant, brilliant in Italy. And this season, he's taken his game up to another level. And my mates were just thinking, after the Barcelona game, they're they're really looking forward to these two games. And, and what about amongst the Roma following? Then is is this seen as um, you know the the tie that they wanted? And obviously, the, the that whole thing added to it, like you said, there the Salah factor. You know, coming up against your former club, and it not being in any way. There's not been any animosity in that at all. It's as you saw, you know, it, was, it on, you know, throughout social media, the relationship between Salah and Roma is still still very cordial. Oh yeah, yeah, he left on very good terms. I don't think Fiorentina fans like him at the moment because he left Fiorentina under a bit of a cloud. Yeah, um, I've seen some guys on who I follow on social media who are just really, really looking forward to the game and the tickets for the. Um, the second leg at the Stadio Olimpico sold out in, I think, in about an hour. And um, I know you guys have been charged ridiculous amounts of money for the for the second leg. And I think it, it, it there was a bit of feeling just like, uh-oh, Salah's coming. What happens if he scores one in the last minute in, in the Olimpico and knocks us out? So so what happens he does? We've, Roma have got to the Champions League semi-final. No one would have expected it at all. And and Justin, what about yourself then? Were, were you happy to draw Roma of the three te- uh, three teams that were were left? Uh, did you see that as Roma as being the, the weakest opposition and and preference for Liverpool to draw them, or or did you have a, another one? Did you think actually, you know, I I prefer I prefer to maybe be taken on Bayern and the, the whole fairy tale story there for Klopp going to Bayern and and maybe getting the chance to overturn one on them? Yeah, so I, I have no illusions of wanting to play against Real Madrid or, Bar- or Bayern Munich over two legs if we don't have to. Uh, for the same exact reason Scott does. Scott doesn't want to. You know, he sees them as machines. Um, I'm actually more afraid of Real in this competition than anybody because, you know, they just seem to be kind of better at it at the moment than anybody else. Uh, Bayern, I actually don't know how good they are because I don't think that they're tested at all in the German League and they've had a pretty easy run thus far in the Champions League. So I think they're actually kind of, even though they are a machine and they go very deep into this tournament every year and win in Germany every single year, um, I don't I don't know that anybody's really kind of landed a punch on them yet. And that's why, I, 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 I mean, I fear what I don't know. I also watched this Roma team more than I watched uh, this Bayern because I watched Serie A much more than I watched the, 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 uh, the Bundesliga. But uh, 
it's the Champions League semifinal. Any team that we're playing against is going to be tough. We've all earned our way. You know, all these teams have earned their ways there. So I'm under no delusion that even though I consider Roma to be the most favorable draw, that it's a remotely easy one, uh, especially considering also the uh, the two home fields are cauldrons. They are very, very intense, uh, hostile atmospheres to be an opposing team in. And that is a tremendous X factor, as we saw it uh, with City coming to Anfield, where they were just completely shook and would have been shook even without the bus incident because of just how much energy that stadium puts out in supporting their team. And I expect exactly the same from Roma at the Stadio Olimpico. Yeah, I think it, it should be pretty incredible. Uh, moving into to the, the game itself then, uh, Scott, um, just for, for us Liverpool fans who are maybe not too aware of this Roma team, um, not been watching Serie A, I know myself I don't really follow Serie A at all, you know what? What should Liverpool expect? What uh, you know from style, tactics? Um, you know what? What? How does the manager like to set his team up? All right. Um, so he's, uh, last season, Roma had Luciano Spalletti uh, in charge, and he went to Inter Milan. So this season, they got um, Eusebio Di Francesco, who used to play for Roma, was part of the Roma squad that won the Scudetto in two thousand and one. Um, he was previously at Sassuolo, who um, he took them up and then kept them up for a couple of years and got them to Europa League and actually coached them in the Europa League. Um, he likes to play a 4-3-3 with um, all the, the style and play going out wide. So if Roma do like to play the 4-3-3, the expect um, everything to go out to wide. And he likes his wingers to, to, to pin the two opposition fullbacks quite quite high up but after losing to Fiorentina a couple of weeks ago they lost 2-0 to the Viola Um, he switched to a 3-4-2-1 with uh, Rajin Eingolan and Czech striker Patrick Schick just behind Edin Dzeko and that worked in the in the Barcelona game and he tried that in the in the Rome derby last week and it it was a bit of a cagey affair. The game ended nil-nil, um, as you respect in derby games. But um, Costas Manolas got injured in that game. So in the two games that have come up, they played Genoa midweek and won 2-1, and he switched back to a 4-3-3. And I missed the game today. They won a, the one away 3-0 at Spal. Um, and they same playing the 4-3-3. Um, he's, he likes to heavily rotate, rotate it recently due to being in the Champions League. Um, I don't like the 4-3-3. It's quite stodgy. Um, the mid- he likes to play with one defensive midfielder and two box-to-box midfielders, and it hasn't got the best out of the players. And um, I prefer him playing with a 3-4-2-1 because it gets the best out of Roger Nangalan because Nangalan was Roma's, one of Roma's best players last season. And he played quite high up in the number 10 role. So what he, uh, Luciano Spalletti used to do is literally play a 4-2-3-1 with Nangalan just behind Jacko and Salah on the right, and then Nyingland would win the ball high up, pass it to Jack uh, to Salah, who would run with speed at the defence and try to feed it into Jacko and score. Jacko scored 29 league goals last season, and Salah was unbelievable. But it'd be interesting to see if he switches from the 4-3-3 to the 3-4-2-1, which I would prefer. But it's just, I'm not a coach of Roma; I'm just a fan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, with some of the, I mean, like some of the the reactions, as some of the the comments made by 
by people, uh, probably UK media, who, in fairness, have probably never actually seen Roma play or, or just seen highlights. Mm. You know, they're saying that it's going to be, you know, Roma will sit deep, soak up pressure, counter-attack, and be very direct. Um, I've seen others say, no, that's not at all how they play. So no. so do do they like to play, you know, nice possession football, quick, you know, quick movement? Yeah, he likes to play it vertically. He likes to play it between the lines. He likes to get the ball out wide and literally attack, attack the fullbacks and try and feed feed in Jacko and the on-running midfielders. I think I've only seen Roma really try to defend the lead a couple of times this season and it failed miserably, especially where Inter Milan, where they went one up quite early on and then tried to soak up all the pressure in the second half and Inter were just relentless of just attacking and then conceded a stupid goal late on and dropped two points. I I don't see Roma trying to um, sit back, maybe in the first leg, probably, because yeah, Anfield, you, you want to stifle your opponents, but especially in the home leg, I don't see Roma trying to sit back. So is it fair to say that Roma are certainly not your, what would be seen as your stereotypical Italian team? Yeah, they're not Juventus who like to I've seen Juventus do this in previous games where they're playing the bottom of the table side and they're tuning out with 10 minutes to go and they've got seven midfielders on. No, Roma, Roma are not like that. Not under, not under Di Francesco. Yeah, so a lot, a lot more expansive, you say, then? Yeah, yeah, he likes to likes to play, try and play the expansive football. Um, they have the players to do it. I just don't think he has the right system to play it. But we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. What about without the ball then? Are they quite aggressive? Uh, do they like to press high? Yeah, he's brought a new pressing system into Roma and uh, I quite like it. You've, um, they played Genoa midweek and um, they've got Mattia Perrin in goal, who I think was linked with Liverpool previously. And every time he had the ball, four four or five Roma players were just pressing very high onto the, onto the Genoa defence and try to cause mistakes. And a few times it, it, it did rattle the Genoa defence. Um, he's done it previously, especially against Chelsea in the um, in the home game in November, where they they were just pressing so high and they were just causing the Chelsea defence so much problems. He likes to be compact as well. Uh, so if he sticks with the four three three, he'll have like four one four one. But yeah, he likes to press very high, and it, it is it is quite exciting to see as well. Yeah, it it could it could make for an exciting uh, couple of games then. Uh, so so, uh, Justin, having heard that, and you say having having, you know, been a watcher of Serie A yourself, um, how, how do you think Liverpool are going to approach the game in in terms of Roma? Do you, do you think it'd be very different home versus away? And given the Roma tactics, how you how do you feel Liverpool will line up? Do you think they'll be as aggressive as they were against City? I think in order for Liverpool to impose what we, what, you know, what Liverpool does onto Roma, it's going to have to be basically putting Roma's midfield uh, and upping upping the tempo on the midfield because uh, Daniel De Rossi isn't going to equip himself well if he has to keep an, ex- an intensely high pressure for 180 minutes of football. Um, it's it's just like it's not necessarily something that benefits him. It's not necessarily something that's going to benefit. The, the rest of that midfield as well. It's, um, you know, for, for as good as they are, for as expansive as they are, um, the, the pace of play in Serie A still is slower than 
they're, then you'd be used to playing against a Liverpool because just because Liverpool right now are just frenetically fast. And they're just a bit not, they're just a bit not like anything Roma have seen thus far because there isn't a team like Liverpool in Serie A. But, um, I would love for Roma to go to three at the back just because I think Liverpool are uniquely positioned to punish three at the back. Where Roma scared me is, uh, City, while they could, while they try to create chances in that same way of trying to go wide, um, using Sané and, uh, Sterling to try to then create, you know, to pull, to pull our fullbacks wide, which is tough to do, especially in their current form against, uh, Trent Alexander Arnold and Andrew Robertson. Um, Edin Dzeko is much more of a physical target man who can inflict damage than, uh, Gabriel Jesus is. Uh, so that's really where, that, that's really what scares me. Um, He's a guy who can bully Lovren, and we've seen Lovren be bullied by big, strong, um, athletic attackers, and that's and that's really and that's really what scares me. And then the other thing that scares me is just um, right now, right now, Roma have the form goalkeeper in the world. Allison Becker is quite quite good, and we have seen that you know really great goalkeeping can completely and totally frustrate and stifle Liverpool. And it just also seems that a lot of very good goalkeepers. Um, have their best days against us. So those are the two things I see. It's actually the furthest forward player, and the furthest back player that present the biggest uh, stifling challenge to Liverpool. I'm also, and, and I'm, in general, I'm a bit afraid of Roma's set piece play because uh, they've been, they've been very good at it. They were great at, at it against Barca. Uh, Barca have similar, we have similar height and defending set issues, uh, set piece issues as Barca. So, I expect that that's a way that they can take advantage of it, and I hope that we keep enough possession of the ball to uh, not provide Roma with favorable positions to uh, win free kicks and win corners. And do you expect Liverpool to be, like I said, to be quite aggressive from the off then in that first leg at Anfield to, to look to really sort of press home an early advantage and, and get on top of the tie? I don't know that we can do anything other than that that well at this point. Uh, I think that's basically been our strategy. That's with a horse that we rode to get here. Uh, the only bad half that we played against City, we weren't able to do that, and then we returned to being able to do that in the second half. Yeah, no, I think it's basically it's got to be the high intensity, dominate the midfield, and try to blow a team out before they have a chance to get a foothold in the game to just that that we need to do. Basically, Klopp's game plan is going to be to try to uh, I think take Roma out of their game plan before they have a chance to even impose their game plan. And thus far, it's worked for us. Uh, I I hope it continues working, but. You know, it's once again Roma do have the ingredients to also change that very quickly on us. And Scott, if if Roma are to be successful, who do you see being the key players for Roma? And and I, I guess the the loaded thing to that is if it goes the other way, who do you see being the key players for Liverpool? If if Liverpool are to be successful over Roma, oh, um, for Liverpool, it's it's always got to be that front three. That front three is pretty much dynamic and as Justin was saying, that's what they will try and to do. They will try to attack Roma. And with that front three of Salah, Mane and uh, Bobby Firmino, it, it's it's quite scary. Um, also, Andrew Robertson um, at left-back. Um, I'm, off, I'm part Scottish and it's brilliant to see his rise from playing at, in lower leagues of Scotland to Hull to Liverpool. And it's been brilliant to see. Uh, for Liverpool, uh, uh, sorry, for Roma, it, it'd be... As Justin said, be one of the best keepers in Europe, not in the world at the moment. In Alison Becker, he's been absolutely brilliant this season. Time after time, he's kept Roma in games and won games for Roma. And also Edin Dzeko, who went through a bit of a malign spell 
I would say late December, early January. He was linked to Chelsea. Um, uh, the deal was pretty much done with him and Emerson Palmieri to go to Chelsea. Um, Jacko called it off and then went on a bit of a scoring spree, uh, scoring spree and found his mojo again. And he was pivotal for Roma to beat Barcelona because he bullied PK in that game, won the penalty, scored the first goal, and he was he was magnificent. So you think Jekyll could be the key then for Roma? Is is all is it all about feeding him? I mean, what you say? You know, they like to get the, the the ball out into the wide areas and go from there. Is there a lot of pace in them areas as well? Yeah, they've got um, a guy called um, Chengis Under. Um, he was brought in to replace Salah, um, who joined you guys. Um, it took Under about five or six months to bed himself in into a new league. He's only a youngster as well, but he's proven himself to be. A one a, a really good purchase. He's gone under the radar and he's hit really hit form since February. If he plays, you'll ex- expect to see pace from him. He's a bit raw. He's all left footed as well. Um, they've got to feed Jacko because if he doesn't get any service, Liverpool defence will just gobble it all up. And out on the left, it would be probably be um, Stefan Alshawari or Diego Perotti. Um, they're two different wingers or wide guys. Perotti sort of glides through defences and he likes to pick the ball up from deep and literally just go past players like Eric Lamella does for Tottenham and Stephen Alshawari is a, a bit more different he's more like a a striker which was converted out, out wide but whoever plays um has got a big job on their hands and who is it that's actually you know feeding them where is that service emanating from in the in the midfield is in, is it is there a key player there that Liverpool would would have to shut down if if they were going to almost like stop stop the the service even getting to Jekyll. Yeah, it's probably Daniele De Rossi who likes to sit right in front of the back four and do like a screen roll. He likes to bring the ball out and feed it to the other midfielders and even to the wide men. You got you'll have Kevin Strootman who likes to do a bit of the dirty work and break up play, and you got Raja Nangalan who will literally. He's a very intense footballer, and if Roma don't have his intensity on the playing on the pitch. Uh, they they don't match up to their standards and Liverpool it would just play into Liverpool hand, hands um, but if you break down De Rossi you you've broken down the midfield. Mm, interesting that then. Uh, given that, Justin, I mean, who do you feel is going to be the key for Liverpool if they're going to succeed in this tie? Then I think it's going to actually be the combination of Bobby Firmino and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain to try to. Hassle, hassle De Rossi and make Strutman have to work extremely hard up the middle of the pitch. Uh, I think if, if, I think if Rome, if Roma are susceptible, that is the spot. Uh, you know, they have a similar issue to us in the midfield. Uh, they also have a manager who's able to make that midfield work in light of the limitations that, that exist there. Um, you know, because neither one of these sides have perfect midfields. Both of them have, uh, both of them have their issues. Roma be it with play, with, uh, you know, Playing with teams that could probably put a lot of pace and, and pressure on them, and with Liverpool, you know, it's around the uh, control, you know, around controlling the pace, around controlling the pace and tempo of a game sometimes. So it's realistically for me going to be the uh, the two of them and how they allow Dura- if they allow Durasi into the game. Um, similarly for Liverpool, I think that the uh, the key man is going to be uh, Dejan Lovren. Uh, basically, he needs to avoid a wobble because um, I, I trust Van Dyke can handle Jekko, but. You know, I think that Lovren's going to be targeted because uh, you know game tape gets out. Teams have seen what uh, 
attack, like what attacking players like uh, Romelu Lukaku can do to uh, Lovren. And um, Edin Dzhako presents uh, a pretty similar threat to Lukaku, to Lukaku, and uh, you know, but with a bit more experience and uh, and and now at the moment to to be able to do that. So that that's that's really kind of where I think each team has the ability to exploit. Mm, it's it it's certainly going to be a curious one, and and so often with these games you you work it all back to to the midfield and yeah it certainly sounds like you know it, it, it for Liverpool it would be about starving uh, starving uh, De Rossi of of the well sorry uh, shutting down De Rossi to to starve Jekyll of of his uh, service uh, and then Liverpool getting about so it's it's going to be interesting to see whether or not both both teams can can do that how they what how you know really sort of impose themselves and how they want to play uh so i mean given all this um everything that leads into it the whole salah uh, effect on the tie and and the the tactical nuances that could be going on and the emotional side of it and and just the atmosphere and the fact that it is a semi-final of this competition and nobody expected either side to be this far um, there's so many different factors involved there. It's it it's going to be. I think it's a really tough one to call, Scott. But I've got to put you uh, put you on on. Uh, I take you on off the, the fence <laughs> on the spot. Even there we are searching for my words. Yeah, I, I've got to put you on the spot and and say, well, ask you predictions, match predictions. What? Do, how do you think this one's going to end up? I could. I could see this being a very, very high-scoring game, and I think I could probably see all of us aging about 10 to 15 years over the 180 minutes, or even extra time and penalties. My heart says Roma, maybe nabbing an away goal and getting something at the Olympico, but my head probably says Liverpool edging it out by the odd goal or two, probably going gung-ho and literally killing the tie-off the first leg and Roma trying to hit back in the second leg and just falling just a bit too short. So if I had to nail you down to a score for this first leg, um what what would what do you kind of anticipate it probably being? I would probably take a two one or three one. If Roma get an away goal, they've got something to work with. Anything further than three one is probably out of the question for Roma. Mm. But they did it against Barcelona so yeah. So there you, and if you can do it to Barcelona, I guess you can do it to anyone. Yeah, but I wonder if Roma have used up all their luck in that game. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only downfall. <laughs> <laughs> and and the same thing coming across to you there, Justin. Um, you know, give, given all the different factors involved in this tie, um, the, this first leg at Anfield. You know, like like we said, you know, you cannot underestimate Roma given what they've done to Barcelona, and not not just not just the fact that they've scored the goals and came back in the tie, but that they actually shut down that Barcelona attack. So, you know, they cannot be underestimated. So, how do you see this first leg going? Uh, I actually see this first leg being a two or three nil to Liverpool. I think the I don't, you know, it's 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 nothing against Roma, but uh, I think that the motivation that Liverpool needed to get a result uh, on Tuesday happened today. Uh, that that dropping two goals late, uh, it's going to give Klopp something to try to get angry about and fix. And over the last two years, whenever we've seen Liverpool kind of take us, or at least actually more more since the October the result against Spurs, 
since we've seen Liverpool take a tumble here and there, we've also seen them come back for like four or five games after that, basically like a house on fire. Um, and I also, we're not going to see that makeshift back four that acted like they'd never met before with uh, Van Dyke playing in a different position, Clavin, Moreno, and Gomez on Tuesday night. We're going to see the back four that stifled City and um, held, you know, held Porto completely out. Uh, I, I think that this is going to be the good Liverpool side that's just going to, I think, have a possibility to overwhelm early. And and the fact to nearly down to a score. I'm going to I'm going to go with a two 0 Okay, uh, I would certainly take that. Uh, keeping a clean sheet is is absolutely vital, and uh, as you've both mentioned that, so yeah, I'd absolutely go go with that. I'm nervous as hell. Um, but there you have it, folks. It's going to be. A huge, huge night. Um, arguably the biggest night uh, for Liverpool in, in nigh on a decade. So it, it just one of those, it could be another one of those uh, famous historic nights, at, uh, European nights at Anfield. And it certainly, as we've said, you know, it, it promises to be a hell of a tie over the two legs. But um but that's it for now. Uh, my thanks to to Scott Monroe and to Justin Wells, and our thanks to all of you for tuning in. And um, we will be back before the second leg, and um, hopefully Liverpool will be there. Will be having their noses in front and have a clean sheet for us to talk about. But until then, from me, Annie Wales, it's bye bye now. Network.